episode two of Facing the Crowd podcast with Hobo and myself. Hello, Perks, hello. Talking to the one and only Crusher. <laughs> hello, Crusher. Hello. Or actually, oi oi, droogies. <laughs> love it, love it. That's right, yeah. Crusher of Noisy Mother's fame and uh, Donington Compare Extraordinaire. As well as many other things. Many other work. Including being in jail. There's nothing you haven't done, right? Well, apart from being in jail. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. No, it's not. no, actually, no, that's a lie. I have been in jail. <laughs> yeah, no, I have. Yeah. How long ago, actually? Well, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the non talking bit, is it? <laughs> yeah. My Good jail. <laughs> So um, our podcast predominantly is about gigs and things that we've been to in the past. Um, and, and that's basically, so what we wanted to start with, we wanted to ask you, what was the first live band you ever saw? Right, now that's a difficult one. Uh, I cannot tell you the first, well, is a very good possibility it would have been September the 30th, 1969. Okay. Wow. And it was Deep Purple and Taste. Right, okay. Deep Purple. Do <laughs> you know Taste? No, no, no. <laughs> we don't know Taste. Slap on the head for you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we'll check them out. Taste, we're good. taste were like a three-piece band okay i'll tell you about it. it was malvern winter gardens i'm pretty sure it was september the 30th 1969 um i'm not saying it was the first one but it's very close okay yeah. that was my haunt malvern winter gardens and they had usually had one gig a month occasionally there were spoilers with two but um this particular gig taste and deep purple they actually had i've still got the poster from it Right. Actually a picture of taste on the poster because it was a double headliner. Um, right. I think they, even back then, uh, you know, they alternated, uh, you know, one night Deep Purple would come on first, then Rory Gallagher. I could be wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. But um, anyway, I remember going in. Um, I knew a little bit about Taste. I knew there were a three-piece blues band. Rory Gallagher, brilliant Irish guitarist. Oh, it's fantastic. And the setup was simplicity itself. He had a he had a chair. Okay, they've got the you know they've got the speakers at the side, and but his back lineup was a chair with a box amp on it. Right. That's it. Uh, I don't know what the bass player had. Drums was pretty simple. But it's a three-piece, three-piece blues band. They absolutely blew me away. Oh, incredible. mega. <laughs> absolutely incredible. Well, you sold there and then. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was like, it was a, an eye-opening experience. I mean, it was like, fuck, I'm so glad that, you know, I, I knew from a couple of tracks on sampler albums and stuff, but I was like so glad that, you know, yeah, finally, I've seen him and I now know why, why, you know, they call him, you know, the guitar genius he is. Mm, and mm. We came to the break, you know, intermission uh, where they go off, Sabbath come on. So we went to the bar, uh, sinking a few pints, and suddenly I hear all this incredible noise. I mean, don't get me wrong, taste had been noisy. But this is like on a different level. And like I sink my pint really fast, go back in. And as I go through the doors, there's strobe lights going crazy. Uh, there's a guitarist with his guitar on fire, swinging it round his head. <laughs> there's a vocalist with hair down to his arse who's just going backwards and forwards which you could imagine with the strobe lights just looks incredible. And there's this wall of Marshall bloody speakers behind. And 
this was the intro for Deep Purple. Right. Oh. And again, that it was just it was just before they released Deep Purple in Rock, which okay. for me is one of their their great albums. Uh, top three albums, definitely. They played a lot of it um, before. I think before it had even been, you know, released, uh, like Child in Time, Speed King, and it was like, fucking hell, this band is unbelievable. <laughs> My parents used to on the In Rock, Deep Purple, um, all the time when I was a kid. It was right. one of the, the albums they had, you know, their Dark Side of the Moon and Into the Who and all that, and they just used to constantly play this, play these LPs, still they were scratched to buggery. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. That was one of them. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so that was, I think that was about my first gig. Oh, fantastic. What a great first gig, though. Yeah, I was very lucky. And uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, during that time, it was 69 to 70, because I went down to London in 71. I saw Deep Purple Taste, Yes, Black Sabbath, Coliseum, some of these you won't know. Uh, Hawkwind, uh, Mott the Hoople. I oh, mean, yeah. Jesus, it was like a. It it's was the Hawkwind with, with Lemmy in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were handing out acid to the the audience before they. <laughs> 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 Unbelievable. I don't you get away with that these days. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> what, a crazy, what a crazy story. Yeah, it sounds like you've seen some. Well, obviously, you've seen so many bands. Yeah. yeah, I've seen them all. I'm not joking. I know it sounds very arrogant, but I've seen them all, been backstage with them all, drank with them all, taken drugs with them all, and eventually I got bored with quite a lot of them. No, fair play. Fair play. You've done it all, Crasher. This is brilliant. This is why we got you on. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think of the, the conditions in the venue back then? Obviously, if you're young and you're thinking, oh, you know. It was brilliant. It was, it was just Fine. a. It was there was a big bloody space that held 2,000 people. And, uh, you know, what was a weird thing back then was um, a lot of these bands, even though they were rock, to start off with, uh, when they first came on, a lot of the audience would be actually, because uh, you've got to remember, this was 69, 70, you know, end of the summer of love, beginning of fucking madness. Uh, <laughs> we used to sit there cross-legged for the first few numbers and then suddenly you know you realize bang it's coming in yes everybody's up you know but oh. yeah i mean it was uh, it was just like a big shed basically it's not a shed but it's like a big shed with a band playing at the end of it very noisily and uh, we could do what the fuck we wanted yeah uh, of basically yeah, i mean i'm sure there were people there smoking dope uh because there was there was a bit of security at the front, but there was fuck all security anywhere else. Uh, oh. I didn't smoke dope back then because I was a young, innocent child. <laughs> I came late. <laughs> that's why I didn't take the. That's why I didn't take the acid off off Lemmy when he was handing it out. Uh, right. I see you still right. regret that though, don't you? Not taking it. <laughs> no, I don't. Because I, I knew my dad would be picking me up, and I did not want to be tripping off my face. With my dad giving me bloody earache going home. <laughs> oh, fair play, fair play. So you've um, you moved on to what? What bands did you see next? Then once you got the bug for it, you went you went down to London to see Purple again with Yes and stuff, and then you just you saw the no, lot. No, no, all that stuff before I moved to London. Yes, you know Emerson, Lake and Palmer. That was all in Malvern, Malvern Winter Gardens. Right, right. Then I moved to London in 1971. Uh, to go to uh, Goldsmiths College. What a pile of shite that was. Three years, three years waste of my life. Um, but it doesn't matter. I'm only saying that because they failed me. And uh, swines. <laughs> there you go. I'll give you a little something. When I was there, I painted a picture called "Fuck Art, Let's Dance," right? <laughs> which I got slated for. They destroyed me for doing it. I got tutors, you know, you have to go to tutorials. And they're sat there going, Stephen, what do you mean when you say, fuck art? Do you mean, 
you want to copulate with art. And I got fuck it's like fuck art, let's dance, you fucking twats. <laughs> why they failed me. Uh, but you Google that, just Google that expression, yeah. fuck art, let's dance. The first people that stole it off me were Madness, the band. Right. For a tour t-shirt. These badges, these t-shirts, these got these people selling canvases. I never got any credit for that. Right. I got, this is the first time that I've publicly said that that was my. I've got proof that I did it. Thankfully. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, when I was at Goldsmiths, I remember seeing the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Mm-hmm. Caravan. Caravan, yeah. Can entice in name, innit? <laughs> yeah. And Desmond Decker. Right. The Israelites, a reggae band, who I love. Oh, we yeah, all know yeah, that yeah, song. Yeah, we do, yeah, yeah. Classic. But you see, I'd, I mean, although, you know, I've, I've made my, my living out of heavy metal and rock, I love all genres of music. Mm. I did back then. Uh, yeah. Although, I've got to admit, I was a little. I was a little bit of a brat about pop music. Right. A lot of pop songs back then that I dissed, I absolutely love now. Right. I mean, really love. And I've gone back and I'm not just because of the song, I've then gone back and listened to the, the albums. Yeah. And there's a lot of artists that I've found that, you know, I was kind of derogatory about that I now absolutely love. But mm. most of it, you know, reggae, even some of the pop music I did like. Um, I used to love Cat Stevens. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, Goldsmith saw some good bands there. I wish I could remember more. Um, Brinsley Schwartz, you'll never remember them. You've even never heard of them. But that was a band that I remember seeing there. But anyway. Brilliant. Next question. Well, <laughs> 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 We're going to say, who was the first rock star you ever met in, in person? Very, that's a very good question. But do you know what? Uh, what do you mean to, to actually talk to or just yeah. to ask for an autograph? No, to actually talk to, you had a conversation with, yeah, if you can remember. <laughs> I think it would probably be Lemmy. Uh, I mean, proper rock star. Uh I worked with rock star. <laughs> I worked with some bands. I did a lot of stuff when I was a freelance uh, doing singles and album covers for small small labels. But none of the bands ever went on to be anything of significance. But yeah, the first big break that I got was. Uh, was doing the first Motorhead tour program. Mm-hmm. And I had to go into their manager's office and meet Lemmy and the band, which at the time was fucking terrifying. Oh, better. Having been, you know, five minutes in their company, they made, because they liked what I'd done, they made me feel so welcome. And, uh, you know, it, it ended up as a, a really good friendship. Oh, it's lovely. I mean, everyone's, everyone says who's met him says he's an absolute gent, you know. And... Yeah, he, he, could be, he could be a moody fucker at times. <laughs> but I, don't, I think that that would be with his, his real friends. You yeah. Know, if you said something that pissed him off, he wouldn't, he wouldn't fucking sit there and just brush it off. He'd no. fucking come back at you and tell you why he's pissed off. <laughs> I pissed him off a few times, I can tell you. <laughs> we won't go into the details of why. <laughs> Amazing. So, so like, uh, so after the college thing, you did your freelancing, and then you got a job with Kerrang. Is that's correct, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, 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 I actually did after college. I did actually work for a local newspaper called the South East London Kentish Mercury. Oh, okay. Um, and then, uh. I did then go freelance, uh, and it was during the freelance stuff that I got some big breaks. 
meeting Finn Costello, photographer, who asked me if I wanted to uh, work on uh, Die of a Madman, the Ozzy album. Yeah. And then, because of that, a few things escalated. And then I knew I had a good portfolio. And I saw Kerrang! And no disrespect to the designer at the time, but the words that I read inside it were brilliant. But I yeah. thought the design was absolutely shit. Yeah. Uh, so I phoned up Alan Lewis, the editor, um, and said, could I come in, show you my portfolio? Um, and he was like, yeah, absolutely. It was just before Christmas, actually. And it was a, they were based in Covent Garden. And if I remember rightly, he didn't want to meet in the office. He wanted to meet in the pub. Uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> a pub opposite the Royal Opera House. Uh, I think it was called Swan. I could be wrong. But whatever pub it was, a little tiny pub. And I had my portfolio. And it was pretty hard showing him all my stuff. But after a few pints and some great conversation, he was like, yeah, I really like what you're doing. Would you go away and redesign the masthead? Uh, which probably doesn't mean fuck all to you, but masthead. Yeah, I used to be a printer. <laughs> right, so the masthead is the Krang logo. Yeah. You know, uh, will you redesign the logo? Let me have a look at it and we'll take it from there. So I went away and I did that all by hand, that crinkly Krang yeah. logo. Krangs, we know it. The, the, uh, yeah. Yeah. But the, the proper logo, the great logo. Yeah, explosive sort of yeah. legend, isn't it? And then I looked inside and saw that they had like this mayhem and gigs and all these. And because I had time on it, because it was Christmas, I redesigned all of those in the same lettering. Mm. Went back, at you know, after Christmas and uh, he loved it. And I left it with him. And I think within days he phoned me up saying, right, do you fancy... Do you fancy designing it? I said, yeah, as long as I can be freelance. I don't want to be on a contract. I want to freelance. Mm. That was it. You know, I, I think it was issue... I know issue 35 was the first time they used the logo properly. Uh, but I think I was—I think it was issue 33 that I first came in on. 32 or 33. And then from there up until about 630-odd, I was... The main man. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, oh, yeah. Ten years at Kerrang, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. We read that you um, you had Guns N' Roses come into the Kerrang office a lot. Um, no, we only had them come in once. Oh, we just just the once? Once. But you'd get, you know, like, we'd have Faith No More. Well, Jim from Faith No More used to come in like, quite a lot. No, quite a few of the Faith No More boys. Um, I think the Slayer boys. I mean, fuck, you name them. You name me some bands, I'll tell you. Metallica. Oh, yeah. You know, Metallica. Gems <laughs> and Lars came in uh, because <sighs> spineless Jeff Barton was <laughs> doing something for their tour programme. And uh, as soon as they finished with him, they came over to me. And I said, right, let's go out for a drink. We went out for a drink at the local pub. And I didn't get back for two days. <laughs> I still finished all my work, though. <laughs> That's so impressive. You're a freelance. You had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that was the whole etiquette of everybody there. Everybody was fucked up. But we all did what we had to do in the end. You well, know? Heavy Metal Bible, wasn't it? I mean, it's a shame yeah, it turned it, into. It was the Heavy Metal Bible. Yeah, yeah it's, it. it's a tragedy what it turned into. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even sure that it's completely gone. I think they might still be doing it as a um, what a web web thing. Yeah, I'm still seeing yeah, them posting stuff on the, you, get an e- you get an email and it comes through all the stories and stuff. Yeah, it's still pretty good, I think. You know, it's just straight into your email and you just open Shut it. Shut your it. mouth! Yeah, you can't <laughs> say it's good. They don't cover the good bands anymore, do they? It's they just not don't. good. It's fucking pile of shit. Yeah, no, it is. There's no soul in it. It's it's not it's not it's not the same as it is. 
but, no, but it's but not the same as opening the Quran. I have it for God knows how many years. But, you know, the last time I picked one up, you know, I despaired. I put 10 years of my life into that. Mm. And not me, and not only me, you know, people like Dante Benuto, Malcolm Dome, Jeff Barton even, you know, I, I dissed Jeff, but his contribution was outstanding and unbelievable. And he deserves, he deserves to be recognised for that. Mick Wall, I mean, Dave Dickinson, Howard Johnson, the, the writers that we had, Mm. They were incredible, right? And they all had their soul was a fan based soul. Yeah. They, you know, it wasn't, I'm a journalist, I'm going out to do an interview. They were, yes, they were journalists, but they were like, oh, I'm a fan journalist and I'm going to, I'm going to meet yeah. my heroes and I'm going to tell the story of how it was which is how anybody reading that magazine wants it to be. They all want to meet those people. They yeah. all want to be doing that thing. But the way that we did it, you thought that you were actually there with them. Because you actually lived it, yeah. yeah. It's so brilliant. I actually listened to Mick Wall's podcast on Dead Rock Stars. He's done it. I don't know if you've heard it. Yeah, it's actually really good. I really enjoyed it. He's a good talker, isn't he, Mick? <laughs> He's a very good talker, but to be honest... Me and Mick, had, well, we all had a bit of falling out with Mick, but let's just leave it at that. Mick is the, one of the greatest rock writers ever, uh, but uh, he was a bit of a strange fucker. <laughs> He's a selfish fucking cunt, to be quite honest. Can we right to say that? He said it out of love, you can tell. <laughs> you can totally tell. Can I, you? Do you know what? I did love Mick. Mick was like a brother to me. He was like a brother. We had adventures i don't know if you've ever read i can't remember the book it is that he wrote where uh he's got to review power slave by iron maiden um and i've said to him where are you gonna where are you gonna listen to it he says well i'm going home i said you can't go home and listen to it with lindy your girlfriend because you can't fucking turn it up fucking full volume you're coming back to my place we'll turn it up fucking full volume and you can fucking then do the review. Little did he know I was going to fucking give him a tab of acid and come out with a fucking bag of fucking grass and several bottles of fucking tequila or mezcal. And he did the best review for Power Slave you could ever fucking read. Right. And he wrote, he wrote about that in the book. And what he wrote in that book, every word is fucking true. Love it. Do you know what surprised me? I, I, I recently reread um, the book he wrote about Metallica. And um, what surprised me was that he slags off a lot of the early albums and then says that that, that thing that they did with um, Lou Reed was like the best thing they'd ever done, which I found really weird. Because that was like, when that came out, everyone was like, that is, that is awful. You Absolutely. see, that's Mick. That's Mick. Yeah, it, it was shite. And how can, you slag, <laughs> how, how can you slag off the early albums? I know, I know. It's just I'll tell you why he can slag off the early albums. Because he's not a fucking, he's not a metal fan. He's a rock fan. Right, right. Uh, and he's all, he, you know, his past, he used to be a PR. He used to do public, you know, press, press for, um, he used to press for Motorhead, Hawkwind, um, you name them. Black Sabbath, right? Mm. But when it came to metal, which is when I introduced him, into the fold because I picked him up off his he was he was on his ass to be quite honest and I got him back into Kerrang uh, and yeah he used to go out he used to do guns and he got all the best jobs in the end because he was the best writer but mm -hmm. I know that a lot of the bands that he went out and interviewed he said one thing and he actually thought another right yeah, yeah cause it, <clears throat> we read that it um when Guns N' Roses come in, you sent the boy out for some Jack Daniels and they, they sent you immediately back seven minutes later for another bottle, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Hutton, <laughs> he, he, he was a lucky boy. He, he then went on to, to write for Kerrang. Don't know what he does now, to be honest. I'm, very, I'm hardly in touch with any of them at Kerrang. I'm hardly in touch with anybody and mm -hmm. I like it that way. 
Well, I mean, you lived it for 10 years, didn't you? So Fucking hell, I lived it for 10 years. I fucking, beyond the 10 years, I lived it fucking 40 years. Kerrang was just part of that fucking oh, yeah, Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. 40 years of having it. Yeah, talk, <laughs> talk to us about being on telly, Crush. That like raw power. Raw power, well, raw power, actually. You know, oh, okay, I'll tell you this, raw power. I wasn't involved with raw power apart from the very end. Mm. And, uh, but I was involved with Power Hour. Right. It was before Raw Power uh, with a lovely lady who used to present it called Nikki Grucock. <laughs> what a great name. Yeah. <laughs> and she was a fox. <laughs> and they used to ask me, I think Dante Benuto used to do, they used to ask people to come in and, and do a little bit, you know, a little bit of stuff for them. And Dante did some stuff, and then I think because because he by then he was editor of Koran. No, he wasn't editor; he was assistant editor. He should have been editor of Koran. But anyway, he was a busy man. He was a busy man, and uh, they he said, "Do you want fancy having a go?" And I could be wrong on that, but anyway, they asked me if I wanted to have a go, and I did it, and they liked what happened, and then we did quite a few of the power hours, and then. It changed because Raw magazine. Remember Raw magazine? Oh, yeah, I remember Raw. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got the yeah. first copy with that of Aussie on the front, <laughs> issue yeah. number one. Stick it in the toilet and fucking flush it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the editor of that was a guy called Phil Alexander. Yeah, yeah, he does a lot of writing as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he works for Mojo now. Well, no, That's I think right. he's, he's high up. He's high up in EMAP. And you know what my thoughts on EMAP. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he, because Raw Magazine had done a deal with the TV company to call it Raw Power, and because I worked for Kerrang, it was like, Crusher, you're out, and we're going to get this guy, Phil Alexander, who looks a lot like you, but isn't quite as handsome. And uh, he has none of your charisma. Um, I can't believe I said that, but I did. That, that didn't and last so, long, did so, it? <laughs> so that went on. Raw Power went on, and then I think Phil went on to bigger and better things. Um, and they brought me in for the last few episodes of Raw Power, and then we changed the name to Noisy. Noisy That's Mother. Right. Yeah. Watch with noisy motherfuckers, <laughs> as I was concerned. But uh, yeah, and then you know, and noisy mothers. Everybody thinks raw power, power hour is great. Raw power is okay. Noisy mothers was the fucking one. Yeah. Noisy mothers is what I know you from. Yeah. from. Yeah. Noisy mothers um, sitting yeah. on the Cosmos couch, well, yeah, chucking the had, CDs. Amazing. We, we had a perfect yin yang. Anne, who was the female presenter, she loved the big hair. She loved Bon Jovi and, you know, White Lion and, and all that that stuff, which, you know, I liked. Don't get me wrong. I liked. I respected. But I was into, like, Pantera, Slayer, the heavy stuff. Yeah. And between the two of us, it was a perfect yin-yang program. Yeah. yeah. She did some live interviews and stuff, didn't she, out at the festivals and stuff? And you did yeah, stuff yeah, on yeah, the couch. Yeah, yeah. 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 We loved the show. Oh, I couldn't believe it when it got canned. Got us we... into many bands. You know, I used to record no, it on the got canned. Um, I mean, it was. You should have seen the bags of mail, because of course back then there wasn't email. No. We got bags and bags. You know, the post office were complaining of people writing in complaining that the show had gone. Mm. But it was like in its prime, wasn't it? It was like they ended it in its prime. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was Christmas 1995, and it was some bright fucking twat arse chicken at ITV who decided rock is finished. There's no future in rock or metal. Fucking wrong, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's totally wrong. It's, there's so much good music out there even today, isn't there? You know, you just have to look for it a little bit. Yeah, well, do you know, to be honest, I've, I've kind of... I listen to classical music these days. Mm. I back upstairs and I listen to a lot of stuff from the 60s and 70s. Uh, and 
you know the you know Pantera, still that Pantera and stuff like that, Slayer. Mm. But uh, everything that I hear that is supposedly new these days, I just hear where it's stolen from. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not seen or heard one band who's absolutely. But then again, I don't go to a lot of gigs anymore. I go to festivals. I mm. have to compare them, and I love that. I love Bloodstock and I love Stone Dead. I mean, you know, there's a local one called the Drunken Monkey. Uh, I love those festivals. Yeah, I we love festivals. Love, yeah, but. And that's that's when I get back to yeah, I remember this. This is why I got into it. But the rest of the time I'll go to a someone drag me out to a gig, and I'm like after two or three songs, I'm sorry, but they're not doing it. They're not, mm, not doing it for mm. you. I was going to ask you about um, when you compared Donington '94, Monsters of Rock, Aerosmith, Pantera, Sepultura, and Therapy. That was yeah, the first yeah. time I ever went to Donington. The first first time I ever went to London, went to, went loads of times after, and when it become download, we still go now. We love it. Mm. But that was the first time I ever set foot on the hallowed turf. You was obviously backstage with Pantera and Sepultura. They were in their prime then. Of obviously far beyond driven KSA albums. Did you speak to them on the day? Done at ninety four. What was the vibe? Of course I did. Yeah, yeah you would have. Yeah. <laughs> I smoked with them, drank with them, smoked with them. You know, Jesus Christ. They put in some powerful performances. Because you, know? you have to go in and say, look, you know, do you want, I'm, I'm the compare, do you want an intro? And they're like, yeah, no. But if they say no, it's like, anyway, do you want a beer? Do you like some of this? Do you like some of that? <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a magical hot day uh, done into '94. Um, and was shit. We know that they got bottled, didn't they? I was just kept watching the bottles flying at them, and I was like, oh my god, they are getting assaulted. Because <laughs> they just had Pantera Sepultura and Extreme come out, and everyone was like, we don't want them. <laughs> if you remember, I had a, a, a Jack Russell called Bullseye. Of course. Yeah. And it's before like... Extreme came on. I'm stood with my booking agent and a couple of other guys. We're actually on the stage, the main stage, and we're in view of everybody, but we're right at the back, at the back of the edge of the stage. And uh, I've got Bullseye, he's on my lead, and we're in some kind of serious discussion about something. can't remember what it was, but suddenly I see the stage manager come running towards me with that because I was DJing that day as well and I had a little blanket for bullseye next to my DJ console so he could sleep whilst I'm DJing um, and I see the stage manager running towards me with bullseye's blanket and he gets over and he bends down in front of all of us and picks something up in the blanket throws it over the back where there's a bit of scaffolding and the back not the backdrop but the actual back canvassing of the of the stage and that goes down to the people who are doing the videos that are showing and what he'd done I didn't know he goes if your dog ever shits on the stage again I'll fucking kill it <laughs> and and I was like hang on hang on and I pulled out my pocket. I had plastic bags. I said, we were in conversation. I didn't see that. You could have politely walked over and said, your dog is shat on the stage. <laughs> and I would have fucking picked it up. Anyway, after Extreme had finished, he came over to me and said, I apologize for that because that dog fucking knew something that we didn't. <laughs> What a great story. <laughs> yeah, they weren't one of my favourite bands back in the day, I must admit. No, do you know what? That first album, Porno Graffiti. Yeah, that's all right. Great album. And that single they had, absolutely brilliant single. But they were they just seemed to have some some arrogant and they were also following Pantera. Mm. <laughs> you know, 
but they should have come out and not, and they didn't. They came out played it hairy fucking fairy. And Therapy were on before them, and they, they played really well as well. Therapy, yeah, therapy rocked it before Pantera and Sepultura. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, Therapy always. Thank God for Aerosmith at the end. After after Extreme, it was like, well, we still got Aerosmith. <laughs> They're going to be good. Yeah, yeah, and Aerosmith worked. You met Steve Tyler, have you, Crusher? Yeah, yeah, I met Steve Tyler and Joe Perry a couple of times. First time I ever interviewed them was when I was doing my radio show for... Uh, GLR, which was Greater London Radio, BBC, um, and they came to me. The mountain came to me, and it was early in the morning uh, to do a pre-record uh, for their album uh, Pump. And uh, I, I remember, you know, getting a, a call because I was in the studio, and I got called. Oh, Aerosmith are here for you. I went out to, you know, the reception. And there's Tyler and Perry. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, I can't believe this. And they were just so nice. And they, they'd actually given up the drugs and alcohol then. And they were incredibly nice. And we had a long walk back to where we were going to do the, uh, record the, the interview. And they were just like, just made me feel so at ease. But not that at ease. Because when we started the interview, um, about a minute and a half into me talking to them, and thank God it was right at the beginning, I did a big fuck. I just got my words muddled or something. And I said, guys, do you mind if we start again? And Joe Perry goes, not at all, man. And Steve goes, man, not at all. But Joe Perry goes, and I think it would be a good idea if you actually turned your tape on this time. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Brilliant. Good job you realised it. Great. When 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 they're on drugs, he probably wouldn't have noticed. No, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have noticed. It's, my first question, they'd have probably thought it was my last question and fucked off. I love the stories when um, when they were touring, when Guns N' Roses was supporting them in the early days, and everyone who worked for both bands did everything they could to keep them all apart. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know the story about when they played California Jam? Right. A quarter of a million people. Can't remember what year it was. This is at the height of their drug abuse. Mm. <laughs> Before they go on, I believe, because Finn Costello, photo, he's got the photographs of this. Um, he's the guy, you know, you know Finn. Have you heard of Finn? He did, he did Deep Purple's Burn and Ozzy Osbourne's Bark at the Moon and Die of a Madman with me. He's mm-hmm. one of the great legendary rock photographers. And yeah. he was there and he told me this, absolutely what happened. He's in the dressing room and Joe Perry's gone, right, instead of playing our last number, which we do as an encore, we're going to play it first today because it's California Jam. There's a quarter of a million people out there. We're going to go out there, we're going to rock their socks off. And everybody's like, yeah, man, yeah, that's good. Steve Perry's like, yeah, man. So they go out. They do it. Perry puts, um, Tyler puts, like, everything he's got into it and thinks it's the actual last number. <laughs> and no way. And collapses. And they can't get him up. <laughs> and there's all these photographs that Finn took of him collapsed backstage and that was it <laughs> it was the end <laughs> of the show oh my god that's so fucking cool <laughs> so stoned out of his mind oh my word that is such a good story You, we know you've got so many stories so yeah, many I know I should write a book you really should I've written a book actually but that's fucked up as well oh no yeah, it's on Kindle. It's right. When I was on tour with Black Sabbath in 1999. Yeah, we saw that. I won't go into the details of why it's fucked up, but it's really sad. Um, and it's a, it's a question of having lost the password to get in to the account, which I need to change. Um, and Kindle... Because the account's not in my name, don't fucking believe that it's me. Oh, no. 
So I'm fucked on that. So you can download the book on Kindle. But you can buy it, and I you can get it on any Amazon. Money, any, mo- any money that I will make from it doesn't go into my bank account; it goes into someone else's bank account. Oh no! Who's sadly very ill uh, and probably won't recover, and has forgotten the password. Oh and God! What nightmare! Deleted his account, so God knows where the money's going. Yeah. Oh, uh, I might be all just sitting there as a little nest egg. <laughs> yeah, no, I doubt Hopefully. it. I think after two years it only sold 67. It's a great book, though. No, well, we're going to get it. We, we were just looking through stuff last night about you, obviously, and uh, we saw that just it just come up the, the book of the tour well, of the Oldsfest when you toured the US. I think you can read quite a bit of it for free. Right. If you've you got a Kindle app, yeah. go in. You can read, the, I think, the first couple of chapters for free. Nice. Yeah, I think has got a Kindle. I'll have yeah, to do that. Yeah, I've got a Kindle. And, that, and that's all about the when you toured the Oswestry US, Slipknot and Black Sabbath. There's a thousand full colour pictures in there. It's mm. about 85,000 words. It should have been about 120, but a lot of them were taken out because of legal reasons. Mm. Um, so people wouldn't sue me. What's the most rock and roll part of that book then? The, the most rock and roll story, if you can recall it. <laughs> oh, the most rock and roll story in that book isn't that about the tour. It's about. Uh, well, you want to know the most rock and roll story about the tour? No, I won't tell you that. You can fucking buy it. Uh, <laughs> the, the most rock and roll story is about Lemmy, Motorhead. When I went to see Lemmy and Motorhead off my face on uh, Ecstasy or MDMA, as we called it back then. And. Uh, it's a fucking great story. <laughs> <laughs> Let me an MDMA. I can tell you, before the band actually came on, I had cleared their dressing room. And I was alone in their dressing room with two new, uh, Alison Joy and, uh, oh, I can't remember his surname, Kate Nesbitt. They just joined Kerrang! as uh, sub-editors. And I was like, Right, girls, come with me. I'll show you what rock and roll is about. We went into the dressing room. I cleared that dressing room in about five minutes. Uh, and then there's just this massive table of alcohol. And I said, you know what you do in a situation like this? You drink the fucking bastard's rider. <laughs> and then at which point, because Lemmy wasn't in there when I, it was just, uh, there was Wurzel and Phil, Phil Campbell, and and a lot of Hell's Angels, <laughs> and I cleared that dressing room, and suddenly Lemmy walks in, and goes, "Where is everybody?" And I think Alison or Kate explained what had happened, and he was just like, "Oh fuck," and poured himself a fucking pint of Jack Daniels and Coke, and <laughs> said, "Russia, fuck off with your friends." Go and watch the show and I'll see you afterwards. <laughs> and it gets worse. It gets worse. Because afterwards all hell broke loose. Oh, God, I can only imagine. <laughs> drunk motorhead dry. Who would have thought it? No, I didn't drink them dry, but I was just like, yeah, that's what I was supposed to do. No, I couldn't have done I wouldn't have fucking, I'd have been in a fucking ambulance going out of the fucking <laughs> Astoria. And not this story, it was the... Um, Oh, what's the one? Brixton Academy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd have been dead. But, you know, that's, that was how I was back then. What if you're on fucking MDMA? Fuck me. Hey, guys, I've got a low battery. Have you? Yeah. 20%, so let's see how we carry on. No problem. No problem, mate. Well, one of the questions we was going to ask is, let's have it. Who is your favourite band of all time? To be honest, I don't really have one. I don't really have one, but I'll tell you the band that I've had the most fun uh, and, and yeah, and that I love is Pantera. Oh. Yeah. I've had the most fun. They took me, they took me to, uh, that was, I met them years and years before, but in 2000, we toured the Ozfest in America and we just got on us. 
I was fucking Dimebag's fucking bastard UK brother. <laughs> That's yeah, so yeah. cool. You must have been devastated with what happened to Dime. Such a such a shame. Absolutely, absolutely. No, it, it still breaks my heart. Mm. It still breaks my heart that fucking uh, Daryl's gone as well. Yeah. Um, uh, Vinny. 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 Yeah. 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 I mean. I'm so glad that Rex and Phil are still going. Yeah. There was a chance. There was talk. I know there was a lot of talk about getting Zach Wilde in. Yeah. To do it. And then I think when Vinny went, I think that kind of fucking... I mean, I know Zach's always been open to it. Well, no, originally he said there's no way he'd ever do it. but um, No. And then, yeah, more recently... It needed to be done. I yeah. know Phil's. I know that at Bloodstock this year, Phil was coming over with um, what's his band called now? The Illegal something. Other. Yeah, yeah. Phil, Phil and Selma and the Illegal. Illegal. I mean, they yeah. they always they always play Pantera songs. But no, they they were going to do a whole set of Pantera. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. We've seen Down a few times. <coughs> we love Down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Down. Are you talking about Down? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We've seen yeah. we've yeah. seen uh, Down uh, a few times. Uh, oh God. Do you know what is another story for you? Down, I loved them from the beginning. And because of my, I know Phil and Pepper, uh, I know all of them actually, but Phil and Pepper I knew really well. And they were rehearsing in a uh, rehearsal studio round the corner from where I lived in South East London. And I'd not phoned them or anything. I just went round, I knew the rehearsal studio and said, Got to reception, I said, I'm Crusher, I'm here to see Dan. No one said anything, no one said questioned it. They go, oh, they're on, you know, second floor, studio, whatever. And I got up there, it's a fucking, it's a warehouse, massive room. And they're like, oh my fucking God. And I said, right, you're going to rehearse, aren't you? They said, we are. I said, can I have that couch from over there? right in the middle of the sound desk and a couple of beers and I'm going to lie here and just watch <laughs> that's amazing and that's what they did they got the couch for me a couple of beers and I lay there and I watched that well I got up and fucking moved a bit but you know just it was powering it out in front of you yeah. but then again I'd been outside with a fucking couple of joints with Phil that fucking paralyzes you for about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're an amazing band. The way Pepper and Kirk's, you know, the way they work together as guitarists is just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Everything oh, just amazing. Yeah. I just hope they sort of put it back together in the future to, uh, you know, they're always talking about these next two EPs or whatever. Just, just hope it happens. Yeah, there's yeah. one more EP to go, isn't there? Mm, mm. Yeah, there's one more EP to go. Yeah. Let's so, yeah. hope that comes out. Question: You want to uh, wrap it up then? It's been absolutely It's been so good chatting to you, mate. And we know there's so many more stories in there. Well, it's, been a, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you too. And uh, I hope your podcast goes well. Thank I you so much. Lots of people. Is it watching or listening? It's just a, it's a, it's a listen. Yeah, it's just kind of like online, and it's. Uh, I'll send you a link so you can share it if you like. Yeah, yeah, of course I will. You've got, yeah. obviously a lot of people are very interested in you, so it would be great if all them get to hear it as well. A lot more people seem to be interested in me after my rant about Kurang at the weekend. Oh, I did see. Yeah, I haven't seen it all, but I did see some of it. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll check that I'm out. Have yeah. to tag yeah. in this. Thing. <laughs> Pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. It's the fucking truth. Yeah, no, uh, totally, mate. So before we go, there's something we, we really want you to say. Rock hard, rock heavy, rock animal. Crusher, you're a legend. Thanks for the chat. Crush, absolutely top man. Love you. Okay. Nice okay. one. Take Speak care. soon. Cheers, Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.